Welcome to Culture Cryptids, a horror podcast for horror fans who didn't go to film school. Jingle bells, Mothman smells, Nessie laid an egg. Well, first of all, you can shut your mouth because Mothman does not smell. You don't know anything about his personal hygiene habits. You don't know what I know and don't know about Mothman. Ooh, Mm. a mystery. And secondly, are we sure that Nessie lays eggs or does she give live birth? I mean, the original song has Robin laying an egg and he's a mammal. So this is just kind of fun speculation. Is it? Is it fun? Does Batman smell? Batman probably does. Batman definitely smells. (laughs) Have you seen that costume? He definitely smells. Have you ever like... Have you ever smelled a Batman like cosplayer as they were getting out of the Batman suit? Like, man, people just sweat. And this is like, it has nothing to do with personal hygiene. You wear that plastic cowl long enough, you ain't going to smell good. Yeah, no amount of baby powder is going to stop that sweat. Nope. Oh, gross. Yeah. Oh. Hello, and welcome to Culture Cryptids, <laughs> the podcast where we talk about Disgusting smelly cosplayers. No, I'm not saying the cosplayers are disgusting or smelly. I'm just saying. It's science. It's a lot of science. And it's like you just sweat. The science of scent. Science of scent. Yeah, is is that what you're an expert in now? Yes. Okay. I'm going to let you roll with that and just go with it. It's fine. Whatever you say. I'm JD. And unlike Corey thought, I'm not going to make a comment about how I am on Santa's naughty list. Except you just did. Except I just did. <laughs> and I am your other co-host, Corey, who is definitely not a folklore horse girl. Stop saying that. <laughs> nope. Welsh folklore horse girl. That's not be you. true. Well, we actually thought for this episode that we would kind of delve into some fun Christmas traditions because... Every family has traditions, and every culture has traditions. And I'm sure, I don't know, J.D., you have your own, right? What do you do for Christmas? Well, last year, I think I started a new one with some friends where we watch some sort of Christmas-based horror movie Mm -hmm. and eat fish stick sandwiches with tartar sauce, or in my case, veggie fish filet sandwiches. And um, yeah, and it's really fun. We don't have to worry about some sort of like ridiculous, like fancy meal. We just eat fish fish stick sandwiches. What? (laughs) Is this a real thing? Yeah. Why are you like this? What is that even? What do you listen? I have unknown depths, so you have unknown something. And the movie we watched last year, which I would urge everyone to watch, is uh. It's got a few different titles. Uh, Dial Code Santa Claus is one. Mm-hmm. Dangerous Games is another. And then I think it's 3615 Père Noël. It's a French movie. It's really crazy. And the music is done by Bonnie Tyler. I've never heard of this film. Oh, yeah. It's worth a watch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What are, what, 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 is, what are one of your Christmas traditions? Well, I usually do some baking of some kind. I really like to make cookies because it feels like a very holiday thing to do. And there's nothing like a house that smells like sugar. That's really appealing to me. Mm. Uh, I also enjoy playing the Gremlins drinking game. It's one of my most favorite holiday traditions. I've heard that's super dangerous. It, it can be. It can be a little dicey depending upon how um, stringent you are with the rules. But... 
uh, it's always a good time for me. Sometimes not for other people. I should point out. Cause isn't there one where like every time gizmo looks cute, you take a drink. That is the pro mode. That, that is alcohol poisoning. <laughs> if you play on the pro mode, that's, that's where it is. We also do something. Anytime a character sings, you drink, or just, these are just a few of the rules. Anytime that Billy's car doesn't start. Anytime Mr. Futterman is vaguely racist. There's a lot of things that you drink for in the movie. And you die at the end. <laughs> you know, there have been some poor souls who haven't made it out of the game. Oof. This is our third holiday horror episode. So along with traditions, we thought we would talk about some traditional Christmas spooky horror scary characters. Since next week for our penultimate holiday horror episode, we will be talking about Krampus. No, our penultimate oh, our, one is this, this one. one. <laughs> forgot words next one is the finale yeah this is our penultimate it was a really nice try though oh man since we are talking about krampus and his associated legends next week this week we wanted to talk about our personal favorite christmas critters and the yule traditions they bring with them yes and just to kind of establish yule you know it has its roots in pagan origin it's midwinter. It's the long hunt. It's closing out the year, having that big hibernation before we start anew. Sacrifices, feasts, and presents. Yes, yes. And Yule Logs. Yes. yes. And Yule Logs. So, Corey, what is your favorite holiday horror Christmas cryptid critter? <laughs> what a mouthful. Um, Hi-yo. So, my favorite is... It's definitely the Mary Lude, which is not spelled in the way that you would think that you would pronounce it. But then again, it's Welsh. So you none of those words. I I don't understand it, but that's just because I'm uncultured and that's fine. But I love it anyway. Uh, My favorite thing about the Mary Lude is the fact that you can hear it referred to as the Christmas zombie horse. And like... (laughs) What is better than that for a Christmas tradition? So you are a horse girl. I'm not a horse girl, but I'm going to tell you right now that there are a lot of horses in Welsh lore, like a lot of horses. Okay. And like one day I'm going to get to talk about all of them, but today is not that day. We're just talking about one. You're going to talk about them like the horse girl that you are. I am not a folklore horse girl. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. It's not true. So, (laughs) the Mary Lude is a Welsh tradition that takes place around Christmas. Now, typically it takes place on New Year's Eve, but it's tied to the Christmas kind of festivities and spirit. The Yuletide season. It is the Yuletide season, yes. I gotta tell you, it's one of the most interesting things I've ever heard of. I I want to do it. I want someone to to do this with because it kind of resembles Halloween, Way more than it does any Christmas tradition I've ever gotten to have. And that also should tell you why I love it as much as I do. So it's like the nightmare before Christmas of kind of pagan origin Halloween tradi- or sorry, Christmas traditions. I mean, no. Because it puts Halloween and Christmas together. I guess, it, I mean, it does it though? The Mary Lude tradition, the celebration of the Mary Lude is combines costume, a kind of trick or treating if you count alcohol as trick-or-treating. And, and we do. <laughs> we do. And a uh, skeleton mare that has ridden, risen from the dead to wander the streets with her attendants. To She has one goal. 
And that's really to get into your house. That's what she wants is to get into your house. Zombie skeleton ghost wants to get in your house. It does. And the only way to keep the Christmas zombie horse from getting into your house is to win a battle of wits against her. Okay. I didn't make this up, but I love it. Today, the tradition kind of goes with there is a a person puppets a horse's skull on a pole, or it can be it can be like an actual puppet. It doesn't have to be a real horse's skull, although they are used a lot of times. I've seen some beautiful ones. Yeah. yeah. There's some amazing people that have made some really great costumes from it, but there's a horse's head on a skull, and they're wearing a long, like, white shroud. So it's a tall, very spectral, spectral figure, and also accompanied by a bunch of other people, typically wearing, I think, white shrouds is what they wear, or some sort of costumes. The Mary Lude visits the na- your neighbors, and you sing a traditional song. And then you ask to be let in their house. You as the neighbors or the owners of the house must make excuses for why the Mary Lude cannot come in. The Mary Lude then makes excuses back about, oh, no, that's not good enough. Here's why that's not good enough. And then you just continue this, this battle of wits called a Puenco, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not very sure, but there's a name for this particular battle. It goes on until one side loses. And... Doesn't rhyming come into this at some point? Um, I think some versions you have to rhyme. I think it depends on what tradition you're, you're if you're following the stricter older tradition or mm. kind of a more modern one. But yes, rhyming comes into it. Now, if the Mary Lude loses, they leave and go on to the next house. If the Mary Lude beats you, you have to let the Mary Lude into your house and all of her entourage into your house. And then you must feed them. And give them alcohol and they are able to partake in whatever food or drink you have available. So basically, Christmas zombie horse comes in and loots your home. How long do they stay? I don't know, but I love it. Until Yuletide is over. Until, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of this is tied to the winter tradition of wassailing, as in here we come, come a, a wassailing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is... It's a pretty banging pagan version of Christmas caroling, except with more drinking and showing up at people's houses demanding things. So it's kind of tied into that older tradition, which, again, Yule traditions, paganism, pre-Christmas that the Christians were like, uh, so you all like. You all have some really cool stuff. What can we steal from that? <laughs> no, no. It's more like, oh, so you so you like your traditions. So how do we get you to be Christian? Well, did you know that all of your pagan traditions are actually just Christian traditions? You just didn't know it. Let me tell you how it's tied to Christ. That's it. That's what they did. So they just sort of incorporated all this stuff and were like, well, this is ours now, which sounds like Christianity in general. (laughs) (laughs) So, J.D. Yes, Corey. What I'm saying is, is that next Christmas, when I show up on your doorstep with a horse skull. I'll just think it's a Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, That sounds about right. All right, J.D., what do you got for me? My favorite holiday horror Christmas cryptid critter is none other than Iceland's own Grilla. 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 I like her because, like me, she is a giant. I was wondering where you were going with that. She's an ogress. She, and those are- she a growler? Because that is what her her name loosely translates to. Growler. <laughs> Grilla. Yes. <laughs> what? That's like the gayest growl I've ever heard. Would you expect anything less from me? I would not. Oh, there you go. There it's you so, go. It's very on brand. 
So Grilla is an Icelandic ogress who's been around since about the 13th century. And you see representations and descriptions of her even going back in like these historical sagas and poems from around that time. And a lot of them give us a really good kind of picture of what she looks like. So one of them, for instance, is here comes Grilla down in the field with 15 tails on her. And then there's another one kind of similar on theme. And you'll see where they're a little bit inconsistent. Down comes Grilla from the outer fields with 40 tails, a bag on her back, a knife in her hand, coming to carve out the stomachs of the children who cry for meat during Lent. It's oddly specific and yet also not at all uh, the same. Yeah, so there are some kind of differences in descriptions on how she looks, but pretty much where everyone agrees is that she's an ogress, she's gross, and massively giant. Some describe her with those 15 tails having 100 bags for each tail and 20 children in each bag. That's too many children. Yes, but she needs them for sustenance and food because her thing that she loves the most is like shitty kid stew. (laughs) I guess, I mean, what else are you going to do with the bad kids, right? Then they also describe her, some poems have her like having 300 heads. What? Each of those having three eyes. What? Then the, another one has like the bag of kids instead of being on a tail. You know, know what? She's just going to carry those on her side on her thigh. Some have her with eyes in the back of her head. Some have her with ears that are so long that they hit her in the nose. Some of them have her with a beard. Some of them have them with her blackened teeth. Some of them have her with hooves. But one thing they all agree on, like I said earlier, she's an ogress. So she's very, very ugly. Yeah, it sounds that way. I don't know that there were any attractive trolls from Iceland, so I guess that's on brand for them. I don't know. If anywhere was going to have attractive trolls, I feel like it would be Iceland. Yeah, you'd think so. Now, some of the older, like the oldest poems, it's kind of interesting that they have her described in a very different way. Mm -hmm. They have her described as a beggar, and she would just actively ask parents for their disobedient children, like, please, miss, may I have some shitty kids? I mean, I guess... I suppose if you had terrible children and someone asked you for them, you would be like, well, I guess maybe you can have those terrible children because what else are you going to do with them? (laughs) And it was very easy to get rid of her. You just gave her food or you just could chase her away very simply, which is very different when you think about like this giant, ugly creature who has hooves and blackened teeth. Mm -hmm. That's not really something you want to chase away. You kind of go hide from that. Um, And she would just go back to her small cottage. But then when you have her in this ugly personification, she lived in a cave. And that probably has a lot to do with that she's considered the personification of winter and Mm -hmm. the coming darkness. And some tales even have her representing her as controlling the weather. So she originally wasn't associated with Christmas then? No, not at all. Um, Some other things about her legend that I really, really loved is that she's married three times. All right. Her current husband, Lipaldi, mm-hmm. lives in their cave, doesn't do anything, kind of a deadbeat dad. Her first husband, though, she got bored with him and ate him. Well, at least he was useful. Hashtag girl boss. <laughs> Sisters are doing it for themselves. And by doing it for themselves, I mean eating shitty kids and also eating her first husband. You mean murder? <laughs> That's what you mean? Okay. I'm not really sure you can start at like a feminism hashtag with... The troll that eats her husband and also children. It's it's a nice thought for a movement, but maybe this is not the particular creature to rally behind. I'm not sure. Who knows? 
It's it's interesting that you say that mm-hmm. because in far as popular culture, some of her the depictions of her, like the more the most recent one I can think of is actually in the Netflix series Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. You know, the modern version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes. There actually is a Christmas episode that came out called A Midwinter's Tale, and it actually features Grilla in it. Huh. And in that, she is just a powerful witch, and she actually protects mistreated children. That's an interesting interpretation, and I, I really like it when shows and things do that sort of thing. So I definitely have to check that out. I haven't seen that particular episode of Sabrina, but then I'm behind on it. Yeah, and it, and like a lot of other um, uh, the Icelandic creatures for, for Yule in Yuletide type of year – She's not believed in seriously like elves are in Iceland because most people in Iceland very much still believe in elves, but they have representations of her all over. Hmm. Like you can see statues of her even in airports. Well, I mean, if she's your national icon, why not go for it? Right. (laughs) I thought that was Bjork. But honestly, if we're talking about powerful witches, I was about the, to say, are we gonna, are we talking about witches here? Is this what we're doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could could be Grilla, could be Bjork. Now, she wasn't really connected with Christmas until sometime between the 17th and 19th centuries, mm-hmm. and from that point on, she's just described as a Christmas witch. And also at that time, some of the other characters in Iceland that are present during Christmas were kind of tied to her as a like a familial unit. So you have the Yule lads, and also. One of our favorites, the Yule Cat. I do love that cat. Being incorporated into part of her family. Which, again, I think ties back into the idea that Christianity would take a lot of pagan ideas and pagan traditions and just be like, that's, that's Christian. We can make it Christian. We'll, we'll fold you in. It's fine. Just just convert. Just convert. Everything's fine. Right. They're like a, a military recruiter. They'll tell you anything you want to hear. Just, just do it. Yeah. If you'll be like Santa, we can do anything for anything, you. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Yule Lads? Because I think they are very interesting as well. They're, so I hadn't really heard of the Yule Lads before, before you were telling me about Grilla. And, and I'm just, they're like the original bad Santas in a lot of ways. Like, because they're not Santas and they're not have originally have any sort of connection or ties to Santa. Even though today, if you look at like all these depictions of them, they look like kind of friendly trolls, you know, like you'd want to hang out. You don't want to hang out with them. They're terrible. But again, then they get tied to this kind of Christian storyline for lack of a better word. And they become the Christmas lads really. Yeah. And the way that you see them depicted is very much kind of in the same garb as Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been quote unquote Santified when originally they were just there to harass and steal. So it, it's just Grilla goes and steals shitty kids, but then she also has shitty kids of her own at home. <laughs> <laughs> and there are 13 of them and they actually visit the 13 days prior to Christmas, which I'm much more inclined to want to sing about 13 guys who are going to come and do terrible things instead of 12 days of Christmas, which I absolutely hate. But that's another tale for another day. Pretty much it's just that that song, all you get is a bunch of birds. You're going to have to sell those five golden rings it's, to feed them. It's also that like, the who wants geese? Nobody <laughs> wants a goose. Okay, nobody. That's a terrible gift. <laughs> so the Yule, <laughs> sorry. the Yule lads, if you were nice, they would give you small gifts. So it's another one of those where if mm-hmm. you're good, you'll get good things. If you were bad, though, they'd put rotting potatoes in your shoes. Can you just... Can you imagine, let's just take it back for a minute. 
Let's just imagine the child whose parents put rotted potatoes in their shoes and were like, it's because you were bad. I didn't do it. I don't know who. Can you just. Apparently parents really liked. I mean, they probably loved putting rotting potatoes in the shoes because they liked telling a scary Yuletide tales so much that in 1746, parents were banned from tormenting their children with stories about them. (laughs) Your parents were so awful, we had to make a law for you not to be so awful to your children on Christmas. Oh my gosh. No. This is the 1700s too. Like I don't know. It's not like, like I was gonna say that could, that could be last week actually, really. We all know how I love list. We do. Is it a list time? It is a list time. If you would promote me the Christmas gift of doing a list. <sighs> all right, but this is all you're getting this year. Oh, <laughs> wow. And Cole. The 13 Yule lads, mm-hmm. 13 days. So each one of them has um a specific thing that they are in charge of and some of these names are real fun too and again apologizing for terrible pronunciations but i'm going to give these a go okay there is stick jarster loosely translated into english sheep coat clod all right he would harass sheep but is impaired by his stiff peg legs <laughs> we're just starting out with the winner aren't we i think it's better so we have giljagar gully gawk Hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Stufer. Stubby. Abnormally short. Steals pans to eat the crest left on them. Oh, man, this one. Perverse liquor. <laughs> or spoon liquor. Steals and licks wooden spoons. It's extremely thin due to malnutrition. I have a bone to pick with Grilla. She has got all, all those kids to feed. Why isn't she feeding her own? Potoskettful, pot scraper, stills leftovers from pots. Man, a lot of them are hungry. <laughs> Access liquor, <laughs> that, that one. <laughs> bowl liquor. So imagine what yeah. it is. He hides under beds, waiting for someone to put down a bowl. What? Yeah. <laughs> Just under the bed. Under the bed. He wants those bowl. He wants those bed bowls. <laughs> we have Hurriskeller, door slammer. Likes to slam doors, especially during the night, waking people up. We have Skiergamer. This one is probably my favorite. Skier gobbler. Do you know what skier is? I do not. It is Icelandic yogurt. So he loves yogurt. So he is yogurt gobbler. Everybody has a talent. That's <laughs> okay. The next one, I'm I'm going to stop with these par- terrible. I'm not going to subject anyone to these names anymore. No, no. You started. You have to do it. Bjugnaker <laughs> I don't think that's right at all. But Sausage swiper. He hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. Lagagager. <laughs> okay, hang on, hang on. I don't know what you just said, but it sounded like something the Swedish chef made up, and I know that's not how you pronounce that. I don't know how to pronounce that. But you can't just Swedish chef this, okay? I'm trying. I'm You're really not trying. prank us. He is the window peeper. He's a snoop who looks through windows in search of things to steal. Gattaperfer, doorway sniffer, has an enormously large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate leaf bread. Ketroker, meat hook, pretty pretty self-explanatory, he uses a hook to still meat. And then last but not least, Kertasnicker, candle stealer, follows children in order to steal their candles. So those are your 13-year-old lads. I'm glad you went on that journey with me. (laughs) There's a a lot of uh, theft involved there. 
Yeah, that, like stealing, mm-hmm. um, getting food from people, and just general mischief. So they steal things, mostly to eat them. But then they also give you things. They give you candy in return for your bread crusts from a pan. Yeah. All Why right. don't they just eat the candy? That's your. That's what you're wondering. I, yeah, <laughs> I was kind of going there, but you know, who am I to break tradition? Uh, candy doesn't have much of a nutritional value. How dare you? Now they're just licking a spoon. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> what, what I think is really great, though, is that the actual National Museum of Iceland, they were like, we are taking the lads back. They are desantifying them and taking them back to these mischievous roots. So... Their names are so seven dwarvesy, like they're all related <laughs> yeah. to like some kind of activity. But instead of like grumpy, you have bowl liquor. <laughs> all right, so they're de disnifying them and turning them more into kind of really horrible trolls. Yeah, so no more of this like oh we're bright and cheery wearing like Santa type garb. Mm-hmm. They're taking them back to kind of the medieval like kind of just browns and and darker colors. I think one of the descriptions was making them look like hell aged hell's angels without the bikes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Grilla is associated now with the Yule lads and also with another creature from the same area. And that would be the Yule tide cat, also known as the Yulekatern. 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 Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, don't worry about how you're pronouncing things. You heard me just work my did. way through those Yule lads. So the Yule cat, I love this one so much because, again, it became associated with Grilla and the, the Yule Lads in what this between sometime between the 17th and the 19th century. Right. But it's a much, much older story that is very much independent from the modern kind of lore. But it is interesting that as far as written accounts, you really can't find anything earlier than the 19th century. But there's apparently an oral tradition yes. of it existing mm-hmm. before then, which is, yeah, which is really interesting. But it has always been associated with Yule in the area, uh, in in that kind of context, even when it wasn't associated with Grilla. So she, because the cat, from everything I've seen, is like a it's a female cat apparently. So has, another hashtag girl boss. Hashtag girl boss again. <laughs> according to Icelandic tradition, the Yule the story of the Yule cat is tied to kind of Christmas chores. So anyone who finished their Christmas chores would get clothing as a reward. Meanwhile, lazy children who didn't get their work done would have to face the Yule cat. And this is also tied to, I believe it was kind of workers as well. Yes. In addition to, you know, getting your chores done, it's another instance of, and you see this in a lot of these traditions and these characters is that it's tied to to work you do, not just Mm -hmm. chores, but actual like work work. And the threat of the Yule cat and being eaten by it was used by farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So tied into production of <laughs> goods. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about why the Yule cat was a threat because it's not a house cat. Oh no, 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 N- not even at all. It's not even like a Norwegian forest cat. <laughs> We're talking about a giant cat. Like and big as a house cat. Bigger oh, than a house. Sometimes. Not, not a house cat, but Big as a house. Bigger than a house. Yeah. Yeah. And it prowls around on Christmas night, typically. The Yule cat, she'll peer through windows to see what children have gotten in their, as part of their presents. And if new clothes are among their new possessions, 
then the giant cat will just keep moving. But if a child is too lazy to earn their new socks or any sort of new garment, the Yule cat will eat the child's dinner and then move on to eating the child themselves. So not only is your dinner gone, you're also getting eaten. Yes. So just kind of it's a little like a a mousse-bouche before the main (laughs) meal of the child. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And though it is watered down in some cases to just be the dinner the and not the, yeah not the kids which come on i guess yeah. yeah but it is interesting that i think a lot of folklorists have pointed out that some of this tradition is not just to punish poor children but also to inspire generosity in those who have more than others to give to people that perhaps are less fortunate so it's kind of inspiring a christmas spirit of giving because you got your socks but making sure everybody got new clothing or new items as well. Yeah. Like hand-me-downs. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't, if you were a kid who didn't have to worry, then you got rid of your old stuff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is kind of, there's an aspect according, again, according to a lot of folklorists who talked about this of that kind of generosity and the Christmas spirit being tied to the tradition of the cat. Though it does lean more heavily on the other side of it. It really does. It does. And I actually found this quote from uh, a journalist in Reykjavik. This is the kind of message Icelanders like to send out in their folklore. If you do not have the money or means of acquiring new items of clothing before the Festival of Light, you will be eaten by a gigantic cat. It checks out. Yeah. It's heartwarming. Very. It's a great bedtime it's, story. It's a good Christmas fable right there. Is get socks or die. <laughs> Which, how, how terrible. Socks are like just like one notch above getting coal. So, if you lived in Iceland, though, which... Technically, I understand is not particularly icy all times of the year, but it's still northern, more northern than I ever want to be and personally to live. So I feel like receiving socks anywhere in the northern hemisphere, I'm going to be all about it because I don't like the cold. So I feel like for me, new socks are awesome. Yeah. And they're probably those like big, thick, wooly ones. Yeah. yeah nice are they like tall socks? I love tall socks. Yeah. I am a member of the tall sock brigade. The taller the socks, the better. It's fine. Did not know that was a thing. It is. It is now. I believe that brings us to the end of our list. But um, as just a little Christmas treat, do you maybe have one more? I do. I couldn't resist putting this one on here because it's just it's a it's one of those little things that you're just like, yeah, okay, we have to talk about this. This one is the the Tom Tim. Now, JD, do you remember David the Gnome? I do. <laughs> Children's show. Was it early 90s? Maybe? Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about David the Gnome, except he lives among the dead in a Scandinavian burial mound. I'm already hooked. Yeah. Um, so this little guy, if you're friendly and you stay in his good graces, he is a great household helper, which is pretty standard for a lot of like kind of fae and spirit stories is that if you are nice to them and give them things they'll help you in the house they're just good spirits yeah butter bread leave butter bread out for them right, things right. like that mm-hmm. so if you don't he will bite you he will kick you and possibly eventually just drive you mad like literally and the worst part is his bites are poisonous oh so if he bites you you're probably gonna die 
And you know the best way to not die and get bitten by the Tom Tim? How? Leave a present out for the tiny, angry, not Santa on Christmas Eve. <laughs> like, what a tradition is that, right? Like, you gotta leave, you gotta leave this present out for David the Gnome, or he's gonna bite you, and the venom in his bite will kill you. It makes me wonder if that actually is maybe where like the milk and cookies came from, is from this type of creature. I think it's probably one of the variations on that. Cause I think there are some other and different lore, but mm-hmm. that's definitely one of those. Cause a lot of those stories of like leaving f- milk and food out specifically milk is tied to a lot of the fae stories. And like, you see that a lot in the British Isles of those kind of stories of like fairies and pixies and, little elves that if you give them some milk, they're good. So I'd, I probably, I think maybe that's where it comes from. I can't say for sure. I'm going to say yes, because now I just want to imagine that if you don't leave milk and cookies out for Santa, that he will <laughs> bite you and it will be a venomous bite or that he'll drive you mad by just being like, ho, 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 forever. Today I learned that Santa's bite is venomous. So you best leave those milk and cookies out for him. Better do it. I I think that this is a good list of some other, you know, Krampus does not have a (laughs) monopoly on scary Christmas stuff. Not at all. And I think it's easy because Krampus is the one we most know and we most talk about because he's horns and demon and, you know, we'll go into that. But a lot of these other ones that are kind of smaller, fun, kind of spooky Christmas traditions are, are just as exciting and weird and sometimes even stranger again venomous santa um horse skull <laughs> i'm sorry i'm really into the mary lude somebody horse please girl do. horse girl no <laughs> not a horse girl <laughs> it's not fair it, it is interesting though that you know krampus is the one we see most in popular mm-hmm. media, but some of these other were others we're seeing now too. Like I said, Grilla is in chilling adventures of yeah. Sabrina and the Yule cat is actually in Christmas Chronicles too on Netflix, you know, yeah. hot daddy, Santa, the Kurt Russell, with daddy, Santa. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Mrs. Claus too. It's Goldie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've not watched. It. I just know hot Santa. I've only seen the trailer and I just know daddy, Santa and Mrs. Claus. And I'm like, I'm here for this. Yes. Yes. Good. But that makes sense that they put the Yule Cat in it because it's kind of an action-adventure version of Santa, I think. So maybe everyone should check that out. I also, I know that you you brought up Gremlins Mm -hmm. earlier. I brought up Dial Code Santa Claus. Right. Are there any other, besides, we want you to watch, we want them to watch Krampus before next week. I think watching Krampus before next week is probably a good choice because we are going to talk about that film in depth because we both really love it. But there are a lot of other kind of fun Christmas horror, I would say, quote unquote, classics to check out. And Gremlins is one of them. And the what was the name of the French one? Dial Code Santa Claus. Or da- I think it's listed as Dangerous Games. Dangerous Games. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that one, so I'm going to have to check that one out. I mean, for me, I'm going to say you should probably watch Rare Exports. That is a good one. It's, I don't even know that it's a horror movie. but It's just weird. If you have enjoyed any of the things that we have talked about in this episode... You should watch Rare Exports. It is a, a great little, I think, Finnish flick. I think it's from, I think it's Finnish. It's fantastic. It's weird and delightful and so much fun. I think another one worth checking out if you have the time and or if you don't just make the time <laughs> is uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. It's the zombie Christmas musical you didn't know you wanted. British zombie yes. Christmas musical. British is very important. Yes. 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 <laughs> it's cute and also gory. At the same time. 
And the songs are pretty great in it. They do a good job. A lot of, when you see a lot of horror musicals, they do a really bad job of kind of calculating how much music to how much story. And this one does a really good job with that, that I think. Yeah. And it's not horror, but everyone should watch Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) It's on Disney Plus. You're just all about like, what is, what can I tie into the different streaming services? Aren't you? No, I mean, that one is just, it's a classic <laughs> and you know, you, maybe you need to pepper it in between a, like a book and Muppet Christmas Carol, the two horror movies, make a nice weird Christmas sandwich, <laughs> like the fish stick sandwiches I talked about earlier. Are you hungry? <laughs> is this what this is coming out of? <laughs> Uh, on that note, I think we should probably go leave some cookies out for Santa so he doesn't give us a venomous bite, right? Yeah, we should get to work on that. All right. <laughs> Culture Cryptids is written, produced, and directed by me, JD. And me, Corey. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Culture Cryptids. Questions, comments, corrections, hate mail? Email us at culturecryptids at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>